HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Sabra Spreads, taking your sandwich to the next level. Learn more at Sabra.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with uh, the women behind Levon Bakery, Connie McDonald and Pamela Weeks. But we're, we're not going to talk about cookies right away. And I feel like I don't have to talk about them that much at, at first because most people know your cookie. It, it is an inherent part of New York now, a six-ounce scoop of chocolate chip walnut that just kind of you know, crept a line along 74th in Amsterdam. And, and and it's such a joy to receive, and I have a bag of those. I can't break it open yet because I know I'll be eating the whole episode. <laughs> but your cookie is, is, is such a symbol of kind of not just a time, but a, a place in, in, in New York City. Um, but before being that, you two were swimmers and still are. And I, I, I kind of want to talk about those 4 a.m. wake-ups and training for triathlons. Um, when did either of you start swimming and why? Oh, I started swimming as a child. Um, I, my parents moved to Long Island when I was about two years old, and I wasn't far from the Long Island Sound, and I loved it. So. And Connie? I started swimming as a child as well, um, not in open water like Pam. I um, started as an age group swimmer in um, our country club pool. So I was uh, the bottom part of the eight and under group. Um, so it was uh, always uh, funny, fun, you know, the great, my, my brothers and sisters did as well. So it was a really fun way to spend the summer. You know, it, it's just... Such a funny thing when you when you think about timing and training. You know, swimmers usually do wake up very early and are in the pool doing the same rope thing over and over, trying to get better. And it translates so well into what baking is, or you know, what the iconic symbol of Levon is—a a singular six-ounce cookie. So, when did that conversion happen? You you two met over swimming. We did. We did. Yeah. Um, I think. 
we met swimming in, at the Y on the east side, which is no longer there, unfortunately. It's been torn down, which is very sad. Um, and it wasn't quite that early. It was 7 a.m., which was very reasonable. Um, there were a, a, a large group of us, actually, but only four women. And the men all were into these triathlons, which none of the four of us had ever done. And they, the men encouraged us to try doing it. And Connie and I were like, all right, we'll give it a try. And so we started training for our first race. And that's sort of when we got to talking about life and all of that, you know, Spending a lot of time on the bike gives you a lot of time to talk. <laughs> and you want you to talk about cookies. Yeah. Well, it was like more, um, yeah, and yeah. also um, hating your job and, like, what am I, I can't be doing this, like, for the rest of my life. And both Pam and I kind of had, like, a little entrepreneurial um, itch to scratch a little bit. And um, so we just kind of tossed those things around. A bakery was not even on the radar screen. It was kind of, we thought, you know, like, a bike tour company or women's athletic apparel um, bakery never entered into the conversation. See, in my mind, the discussion is like, we should do something that's six ounces, but I don't know what yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. a mathematician yeah. in you. Yeah. But uh, what's so fascinating is kind of you grew up in a sweet free home. Yes, I, I did. So where did this sweet tooth come from? Um, well, I think that when maybe when you are deprived because <laughs> it's, it's i it's not that i didn't want it it's just that um you know my mother was you know it was the 60s and things and um you know everyone was on a diet and that's just kind of the way my house was so it was kind of like you know um you were lucky to score a little box of raisins and uh, <laughs> And uh, like the worst Halloween candy oh, that ever. Yeah, that we we were that house. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Or apples, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so I think that, and it wasn't just just sweets for me. It was just like I loved cooking, and um, which is really how kind of I got into the whole thing. I just I loved to. My parents were wonderful, but as far as like food and like loving food, they just you know didn't it was more kind of like you ate to sustain yourself and um i used to i was the youngest in my family and i used to like make dinners for my parents and set it up in our living room with a fire and things and so i kind of um just loved it i don't know but maybe you, because we didn't have it yeah but <laughs> you, you like this sense of feeding people and serving people. i do I do. Whereas, you know, Pamela, you grew up in, in a household where there were ho homemade breads and, and yeah. baking all the time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know store-bought or packaged foods growing up. I was really lucky. Um, but I always really loved the baking part of it. Um, and having a bakery was a great way for me to be able to bake and not eat the entire cake in two days. <laughs> <laughs> and. I'm not really exactly joking. No, yeah. Not at all. yeah. Then who made the conscious decision that one of you needed to go to cooking school? Or was it prior to your meeting that, you know, you, Pamela, went um, to Peter Kump? No, I actually think it was Connie. But uh, she actually went because she was... I was, I, I was fired from my last job. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> I didn't want to be well, no, I mean, it's great to say that when your last job was in, what, 1993? Exactly. And that you've been your own boss. 92, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I was working, um, I was 
through the um, kind of encouragement from my father, I was um, had worked in investment banking for like 10 years um, prior to, you know, um, getting fired. And um, I just, I just, I didn't like it when I started. And by the time I finished, it was, I couldn't even do it anymore. Um, and so um, in the meantime, throughout those courses that when I was doing that, um, I used to do um, anything from cleanup at parties to like bartending to catering. And Pam used to help me out with it too. And then it, like one thing led to another and people would be like, Oh, can you do cater this party for me or that one? And I was, it was going well, but I was always really nervous. Oh, so we were like, sure. What do you need? Sure. We can do yeah. that. Take it <laughs> right? you make it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. And so then when I, when they, they finally uh, kind of pulled the plug on me, uh, I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe I should just like go to cooking school. Maybe I can be a caterer and, you know, just change. And um, I did. And Peter Combs was wonderful. So it was really great. No, I always wonder about food businesses, what begets what, um, when you come up with a name, you know, Levon, which is more attuned to, you know, bread baking, Breads, you, know, yeah. you know, it's a sourdough starter. In, yeah, in exactly. Well, the, the vision we had for the bakery was actually bread. Um, we started out kind of bartering space for product out of a restaurant and, um, we both love making bread. There's something really beautiful about making bread and Connie's an amazing bread baker. Oh, you are too. Um, but you know, we found that wonderful little space on 74th street and we started doing retail. Uh, we were still making bread for some restaurants, but it was really slow. And I actually still had my day job. So we had some cash flow and Connie started making these cookies that we had been making when we were training for the Iron Man, and people really liked them. They were coming in and saying, do you have those cookies today? So yeah. we were kind of like, oh, maybe we should make these cookies. Yeah. I mean, but were those cookies intentionally for Iron Man training? Were they you no. know, packed of protein and et cetera? Oh, or no. They were just, uh, they were just. after I finish, I'm going to, uh, you know. Eat a big Yeah, yeah, yeah. give yeah, myself yeah. this. <laughs> no, no, no. Reward. It was not nearly as scientific as these things are now. No, yeah. it was just kind of, you know, butter, sugar, you know. Good ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I'd really like to point out because, you know, when we talk about bread, it's flour, water, wild yeast, yeah. especially in the Levon. Um, but when we talk about a chocolate chip cookie, I mean, there couldn't be anything more simple. I mm -hmm. mean, there aren't many ingredients to it, and yet there are millions of iterations of it around the world. So how do you make a great chocolate chip cookie? Using really good ingredients and a lot of heart. It's kind of there are a lot of good cookies out there. I mean, ours are really good. We love them, but there are lots of really good cookies. Yeah, I think our cookie is probably, as far as ingredients and technique go, have to be about the simplest that yeah. I know of. And, yeah. you know, it's... Um, but, you know, it's with it's. I think the, the success of it and the popularity of it stems from the freshness of it, the, the texture by... By virtue of yeah. its size, that's it. You know, it's you get a little bit of something for everybody. You've got a little bit of crunch. You've got a little bit of soft. You've got a little bit of, you know, gooeyness if it's just come out of the oven. So you're satisfying a lot of different desires. See, in in my mind, was it an invention of, well, we don't have a cookie scoop other than this big six ounce one. Should we just give that a shot? 
What, what was the intention Our hands. behind it? Oh, yes. <laughs> and actually, that's the size. We played with sizes and... Um, Although it does, it is, our hands are pretty perfect for that size. It's also the size that baked and gave us all those different textures and things that we were looking for. So it's truly a cookie that satisfies everybody. Hopefully. It seems to be, for the most part. From the lines from now multiple (laughs) locations and international retail, I'm sure, uh, I bet you millions of people have agreed upon that. Incredibly enough, yes. it's, It's great to share. And there's something really simple about being able to share a cookie. It's an affordable cookie. You can share it with your family. You know, even when other things might be out of reach, you can always share a cookie. And you know what's great? You know, sometimes when you think of a six-ounce cookie and you finish it by yourself, you're like, oh, my God, I just ate that whole cookie. I feel a sense of accomplishment <laughs> when I do it. Like, like, like I should be given another cookie for doing that. Like, that. That's what your cookies mean to me. That's, that's nice. So great. And I, I mean, let's talk about this line, too, because it is it is such a part of New York. You know, you see people kind of crawling around the corner of 74th and Amsterdam, and people that don't know, and I assume there aren't many people that don't know anymore, uh, what Levon Bakery is, wonder why there's a line there. How many people do you have that come every single day? And who are the culinary tourists that travel far and wide for your cookies? I don't know how many people we have that come every day for a cookie, to be honest. But uh, we definitely have neighborhood people who come every day for coffee and maybe a whole wheat raisin walnut roll. Right. Yes, um, and then <clears throat> or sandwiches and pizzas. Right, the, because th- that's the line is incredible, and I just can't. I can't believe that we actually, you know, from our meager beginnings in like 1995 to th- think that we actually have this perpetual line is really kind of um, mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it is. But um, I think that it's wonderful. But then we have, because of the line, a lot of people that used to come every day just don't come every day anymore because it's, it can be a little bit during the week they do, but, you know, especially like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's, it can be a little intimidating. I don't want to go in. But but (laughs) we have have the answer. We've got a brand new space around the corner that should hopefully eliminate that line to a great extent and make it accessible for everyone again without having to wait for quite as long. And then there's also Harlem. There's also mm-hmm. the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so yeah. you, you found some relief there. It, they just aren't strategic places, but, you know, you want more people to experience and enjoy these cookies. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yes. We're going to take a quick break and we're actually going to come back and talk about, you know, not just cookies, because like you said, you, you bake wonderful breads and their sandwiches and mm-hmm. Got you. So we'll, we'll do a little sweet and savory when we return. You've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. We'll be right back. You're probably a sandwich lover. Half the people in America eat one every day. Sabra, maker of America's favorite hummus, just released a new squeezable spread to take your sandwiches from good to great. Garlic herb on turkey, sea salt and cracked pepper on roast beef, and we've got to try the honey mustard on grilled chicken. The easy squeeze bottles are convenient and you're not even stuck washing a knife. The best thing is that they have 75% less fat than the current leading spread mayo. So whether you're looking to amp up today's lunch, 
eat a little healthier, or just not be a member of the Mayo Club, Sabra has your solution with their new spreads. They're vegan, kosher, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Look for them in the deli of your local grocer and learn more at Sabra.com. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here again with Connie McDonald and Pamela Weeks of Levon Bakery. And if you don't know the line on 74th and Amsterdam, please get on the queue, but also know that there's some relief around the corner soon to be had on Amsterdam Avenue. And, you know, we've been talking about these cookies, and yes, chocolate chip walnuts. It's, it's just a revelation. Um, I mean, but so are the chocolate chocolate chip cookies yeah. so much chocolate <laughs> <laughs> but what i also love is what you mentioned before you, you kind of serve the neighborhood as an all-day institution there's coffee there's sandwiches i love your pizzas mm. oh thanks and, and there Thank are rustic you. breads too yeah. um so what does it feel like to be a bakery that does it all but people sometimes kind of myopically think of as a cookie place we're just happy anyone thinks of us at all, to be honest. <laughs> you know, when you open a business, you have a vision of what your dream and your, your you want to do. And um, I think it's important to not lose sight of what your customers want as well and not be so caught up in what you originally thought. And it's worked well for us to listen to our customers. Yeah. I mean, what have they asked you for and what have you given back? Well, I think that we've come to the realization that although we did start as a bread bakery, we are, um, people refer to us as the cookie Queens of New York and you know, it's, and we're fine that's with that. Fine. That's, good. <laughs> that's fine because you know, in New York, it's like, it's really hard to, you know, to, to make it. And so many places don't. And we're so thrilled that after almost 22 years, we're still here. We're still growing. Um, like at record pace and so whatever anyone wants to call us if they you know yeah. they're happy and they're lining up and they've got huge smiles on their faces it's just like it's a gift that we are doing something that makes people so happy and yeah. if they well, line up for it it's, it's really incredible well really we, lucky. we were joking around before the show about particulates or, or <laughs> yes uh, whereas you know uh, having a space like that and and kind of, you know, opening up other locations, you obviously are dealing with scale. So how do you make that same delicious cookie, you know, a hundred thousand million times over the same way with the same heart? And for you, it's by hand. Right. What, what, what's the difference between doing that by hand and then thinking about like the mechanisms oh. of expanding? Well, it it's a huge, there's a huge difference. We've, we've had, you know, salespeople come in and they're like, Oh, we can show you how to do, do this so much better, so much faster. And they'll bring in this machine and we'll make our dough with them. And it's unrecognizable. It's like, uh, I don't know. We'd be know, out of business. If we <laughs> like, use that yeah. machine or did it that way. I think part of the charm too, is coming to the location and seeing people work with their hands. Mm -hmm. yeah. People love it. And they, you know, they, they start snapping the pictures, you know, before they, and then they're, you know, when they're outside and by the sign, and then when they're coming down the stairs and, you know, seeing everyone just kind of working, it's, it's a nice thing, especially in this day and age where everyone's kind of staring at a screen and clicking a button. Well, there's something really satisfying about making something and seeing, you know, starting with, like you said, flour and water, butter and sugar, 
and seeing a finished product. And there are not a lot of things that you do anymore where you get that satisfaction unless you're some sort of artist. Yeah. And again, not not to keep on pointing out the size of it, but at six ounces, you see this large piece of raw cookie dough and you're Mm -hmm. waiting for the transformation. But why the mound versus the flat? I know we've talked about texturally, but I mean, from a visual standpoint, too, it, it, it it's intimidating. I think it's kind of pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly it very nicely. unique. Yeah, and uh, you, I mean, that's kind of the money shot that everyone's doing now on Instagram and posting all over where everyone's breaking the cookie, taking the photo with the cell phone, you know, and you know, in front of I don't know the San Remo or the Dakota, and you know, it's just that break, broken cookie with the beautiful particulates and yeah, particulates. <laughs> Uh, I've seen it for sandwiches. I, I'm such a um, luddite when it comes for doing what I do. You'd think I know more about Instagram and and those yes. kind of hashtags. I just learned about the mannequin thing recently. Um, but you know that that cross section of a cookie. Yeah. You know the importance of that, and I think of that more as a, a bread baking thing because mm-hmm. it's the first time you like bake a baguette or you want to see the oven spring. You want to yeah. see the air mm-hmm. in there, but I don't think I've ever thought of it. You know the cross section of a cookie, in, in, other than Levon's, oh. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. where you can see all the goodness, all the particulates, and <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about the core four because there is the chocolate chip walnut, there is the dark chocolate chocolate chip, the oatmeal raisin, and then the dark chocolate peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Which came first, and why were others added, and has it ever moved outside of that set? Um, the chocolate chip walnut was the first one that we made, and that's I, I, I can't really remember how long before we added any other yeah. ones. Not too long, I don't think. Yeah, and I think it was oatmeal raisin. Oatmeal next. raisin, yeah. And then um, I grew up with my mom making a dark chocolate peanut butter chip cookie that I really loved. So I was like, we should try to come up with a version of that. So that was the next one we worked on, and then we were like, well. If someone really wants something chocolatey. And I think, didn't we do that for our Valentine's Day, maybe? Yeah, we did it for our Valentine's Day. We made a dark chocolate chocolate popu- chip. Really popular, so yeah. we just decided to keep it. Yeah. So it's been, that's kind of like the Beatles. Yeah. Right? The, four, <laughs> the classic four. But, I mean, how often are you thinking about adding another to the band? Or what suggestions well, do you get from people these days? We get lots of suggestions. As you we, can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> we have lots of ideas. We've just never actually had enough space to make others. We're kind of always in a situation where we've maxed out our space. Um, so we've made some others for special events. Um, you know, it's just like super small batches for a night, but not on a regular basis. Again, at six ounces of cookie, there's no super small batch, I assume. <laughs> I know. But I mean, like, let's talk about dough, you know, not monetarily, but the amount of actual oh. cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could talk that after. Exactly. Um, right. But how much? How many cookies do you bake off in a day? As many as we need. We bake all day so that ideally somebody who comes in and wants a warm cookie is able to get one. So we bake a little bit at a time all yeah. day. And a warm is an understatement because it is like the freshest out of the oven cookie I've ever mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Almost every single time. And sometimes even in transportation, it still retains the heat and you mm-hmm. get it and... Yeah, yeah, for it's a amazing. few hours. Yeah. yeah, well, we have someone, especially at Seventy Fourth Street, and also in Harlem. Well, and I, I guess at all you know locations, that often it'll be one person just baking cookies, kind of like all day long. 
and just kind of keeping the ovens full and and trying to see what's needed. Right. Right. And that's that's actually kind of a fun, challenging position, the cookie baker position. Um, you have to think. You have to look. You have to watch because you have people coming in who want a box of cookies, so they need to be cool enough to box. But then you have people coming in who want a hot cookie, so you have to have some hot cookies. And you also don't want to have too many of one kind if today's not that day. So it's it's a fun thing to do. So that's like the most versatile free thinker in the bakery. May, possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's an amazing thing with, you know, Thanksgiving coming up. I, I try to coordinate the oven. You know, this comes out at this time, uh, this comes out at this time. But having to play that on the fly, it's, uh-huh. it's more like being a line chef, you know, mm-hmm. getting orders yeah. in and reacting to that. And that, that's also very particular to Levon. Not many other bakeries yeah. are, are, you know, in a reactionary manner. I never thought about it quite like that, but it's right. a good, good description. Like yeah. 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 I mean, when we just try also just to keep, as Pam was saying, you know, keep everything going and making sure that we have enough for everyone. And, and often as seven o'clock approaches is when is kind of our technical closing time, there'll still be quite a line um, down the street and, and we'll go outside and everyone gets very nervous. It's like, it's okay. You know, <laughs> we're not, you know, because they're like, oh, you know, I've been here for 45 minutes. You can't. So it's more like we're going out to say, Hey, no one's going to get disappointed. We just need to know, if you have big orders, what we need to bake to kind of make sure that everyone gets what they what they came for, and so it's it's all day. It's just kind of thinking, kind of keeping up, and making sure everyone's hopefully as satisfied as they can be. Yeah, I mean we're lucky. What we do makes people happy, makes people smile. It's it's you know it makes it pretty wonderful. Most importantly, though, how long do you wait? You know, after eating before you take a swim. Uh, well, I think that's 30 minutes, of, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what we were taught. I, I didn't know whether or not it's an old wives' tale. I was going to say, I think true. it might be a little bit of a fallacy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can honestly say I think I've eaten a cookie and swam at the same time, <gasps> and I'm still here to tell the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely an exerciser on an empty stomach type. I, I do my swims like that in the mm-hmm. morning. In the morning, yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's. I don't really like to eat much before six to be honest yeah i don't wake up that early anymore (laughs) my baking days are over i know i know but we were in the pool this morning at six so you know get up and feed some pets and right it's bake some cookies yeah yeah exactly i've had this term kind of bouncing around in my head since we started talking about your days of investment banking and uh this is very much investment bake, baking. It, well, that's what I said. We just lost the end. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. But it, it's an investment not only in, in the neighborhood and, and, you know, those regulars and those tourists, but just in, in, you know, giving something good, delicious and warm kind of with the same gratitude that you to bake your cookies. Um, it's, it's a wonderful art. That sometimes gets lost here in a bustling city. It, so. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's one of the things that Pam and I, when we started the bakery, we really wanted to be kind of like part of a community. And for the longest time on 74th Street, you know, we were and still are that. Um, you every, know, the, Every child's worked at the bakery. Yes. It's like, really nice. You yeah. know, all the dogs and all the kids that we've employed. and We receive you know, packages. <laughs> yeah. And we just, it's nice. Yeah. And we just know everyone. And it's, it's really great. Yeah. And, um, well, and, and, you know, we were talking, honestly, for the first eight years, 
we barely made ends meet. But we had, you know, a lot of support, and it was really, it was good. New York was so much easier then, too. It was so much less complicated, it seemed. <laughs> well, it feels easy when you have six ounces of love in your hand. Okay, that sounded much worse than I said it. But yeah, I know. <laughs> six ounces of Levon Bakery warm cookies in your hand. Thank you both for being here. I'll see you many, many more times on 74th in Amsterdam. Great. And uh, yeah, just Look keep on baking away. <laughs> Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks very much. Uh, Thanks again for listening to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. And a huge thank you to Sabra for sponsoring this. Uh, another great snack throughout the day. It make make sure it is. an happy hour. Um, music by Cookies, which couldn't be more appropriate. And then David Engineering. Thanks again. Cheers. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.